he had considered this. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a child. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God shall endure forever and ever. You'll notice um, in the bulletin it says a, a homily here. And, um, and many of you are thinking, most of you are probably thinking, Rick wouldn't know what a homily was if it came up there and you know, bit him on the nose. Um, but we, are, we are, have a lot fitted, uh, to fit in this service this morning, and we have the, have the privilege, I have the great privilege of, of bringing a charge uh, to the new elders and deacons of Faith Presbyterian Church. And it's a great privilege to, to do this because I've, I know these brothers, they're dear, dear friends of mine, and um, this is a very humbling experience to be able to, to uh, be part of this. But uh, I get to, um, you know... I get to preach at you guys, all right? Now, this is also for everybody. We're going to include the whole congregation in this homily. But, um, you know, if you've, if you've ever heard somebody say, I'm going to preach at you, or they're preaching at me, well, they really don't understand what preaching is. Because usually when you're preaching at somebody, in the world sense, it means that you're condemning them, and you're pointing out everything they're doing wrong. And the word preach in the New Testament means to proclaim the gospel. And that's your first assignment as a new elder or deacon at Faith Presbyterian Church just to see is this guy preaching the gospel. That's the most important thing all of you will do for the rest of your tenure as officers at the church. So let's get this thing started. Um, I like to use Joseph as a model for leaders in the church. Um, and even if, you're, again, you're not an elder or a deacon, uh, this morning I want to look at three things about uh, Joseph. Um, first of all, who is he? Uh, second, what can you learn about him, from him, about serving the church? So who is he? What can we learn about him, about serving the church? And uh, third, how did Joseph get the power to be this faithful servant that's described in this passage to serve God with faithfulness? In other words, how do you get the strength to serve as an elder or a deacon? And how do you get the strength to serve the Lord as a Christian. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Um, thank you for this day. Thank you for what we are doing here. Thank you for um, leading us clearly as a congregation as you have um, chosen these men to be leaders in the church. I thank you for each of them and I thank you and I praise you, Lord, that you truly are making each of them. I've seen it. We've all seen it. Um, you're keeping your promise to to conform them more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And that is such a great comfort that we see 
you working in them. And we trust you, and therefore we trust them as leaders. And I pray your great blessing on these men and this service uh, as we continue to worship you and to recognize the gifts that you've given and the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of love that you poured out in each of these men's hearts. Thank you again for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So who is Joseph? Who is he? Don't have a lot of information about him. But there are some very important things that we do know that this passage gives us insight into. First of all, he is a descendant of David. That's huge. He can trace his lineage back to King David. He is the son, he is a son of David. And if you've been around Old Testament preaching, which most of you have been, you'll know that's a huge, huge thing. He's also Mary's husband. Good for him, right? He married up, right? Married up with Mary. And um, we also um, know that in this passage, we, we see and hear about reality, which is God himself, breaking into his life in a super profound way. Reality is broken in. The Lord is broken in. And can you just, can you imagine, we talked about this last time with Mary, um, wow, reality is broken in. We also know that Joseph was a righteous man. And what does that mean? What does it mean? Well, he trusted, the reason he is righteous is because God declared him to be so, because he trusted God's promises about the Messiah. You know, the gospel was announced in advance to Abraham. That's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3. The gospel was announced in advance to Abraham, and Joseph believed all those promises in the Old Testament about the Messiah. And this is what made him a righteous man. You want to know what made him a righteous man? He trusted God. How do you become righteous? You trust God for the life and death of His Son in your place and the hope of the resurrection. So He trusted the Lord, He trusted the promises about the Messiah. And he, knew, he knew the sacrificial system provided the blood that was needed to be cleansed from sins. That's, that's the understanding the Old Testament folks had. They didn't, I mean, this is, this is the adopted father of the Messiah, but he will not understand everything as clearly as Mary will and as the disciples will later on throughout their lives. But Joseph trusted the sacrificial system. He trusted God's word that his sins would be forgiven. And so... Because he believed the gospel, because he trusted God, he submitted to God's guidance through this angel. If you trust the Lord, you're going to follow the Lord. It's not follow the Lord and then prove it. No, it's if you trust the Lord, the Lord has worked in your life. And you will walk in obedience. You're not going to be perfect. Joseph wasn't a perfect man. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But we will follow the Lord more and more. And so... He believes the gospel and he keeps the charge of naming Jesus, Jesus. He knows somehow this Messiah is going to save him from his sins and his people from their sins. And because he believes the gospel, 
He protects Jesus, does he not, as, as his adopted father. He protects him from Herod. He's willing to, to move his family to Egypt, right? You remember the story? It's a hard, hard time. But he had one job to do. He had one job to do, and he did it. He protected and he nurtured the Son of God in a very dark in, in very challenging circumstances. And eventually, as Grant preached a couple weeks ago, did such a wonderful job about talking about the sign of the covenant. Eventually, he takes Jesus, and Jesus receives the sign of the covenant, right? The circumcision. And he raises Jesus in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But most of all, again, he knows... Just like Mary's. These are like the first Christians, if you would. He knows that somehow Jesus is God's Messiah. And Jesus is going to save his people from their sins. What could be greater? So, that's who Joseph is in a broad sketch. So, how, how can you as leaders, how can we use Joseph as an analogy uh, as a leader in the church? How could you do that? We, you know, this has got way, you're kind of stretching this, Rick. Um, you're, you're poking too much into this. Well, I think that, I think you can make, you can make analogies. Just don't make them goofy, you know, when you're preaching the scripture. Go to the gospel. Go to the gospel. That's, that's our job. But try to be faithful to what the text says. And I think we can draw a lot of things from Joseph's life. That, that, um, that God worked this grace in his life. And if you're a leader in the church, he's going to be working this, this grace in your life. And so I think you ought to be on the lookout um, for, for these traits in your life. And what you're doing and so forth as a leader. Uh, but I want to uh, connect it this way. You know, when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus asked him a question. Do you remember what the question was? Saul, Saul, his Hebrew name is Saul. The Greek name is, is um, Paul. Whenever he's around the Greek people, he goes by Paul. When he's around the Hebrew people, he's Saul, like back home, right? That's why the difference in there. But he says, Jesus says, Saul, it's interesting. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Which is a very odd question. And you've probably heard this a thousand times, but let me remind you of this great truth again. You know, Jesus has been at the right hand of the Father for a good amount of time. When, when, this, when Paul is uh, chasing Christians and persecuting them and putting some to death and so forth. So what, uh, what could Jesus possibly mean? Well, Jesus has told us that he's the vine, we are the branches. We are united to him. We are his bride. We are his brothers and sisters. We, he has united us to himself mysteriously. That's reality. God dwells in us. He lives in us. And that means what happens to you matters to Jesus Christ. Deeply. Everything that happens to you, everything, everything that happens to you matters to Jesus Christ. What brings you joy, brings Him joy. What brings you delight, brings Him delight. What upsets you, upsets Him. And so Jesus is very interested in you. He deeply identifies with you in your sufferings. In your trials, in your joy, 
He identifies with you in everything. And we've been married 40 years. Um, I'm starting to think more and more like Catherine. You know, it's taken me a while, but I do process things like, you know, and that's usually a good thing to do. And believe it or not, as strange as this sounds, she's starting to think about things like I think about things. That's kind of dangerous. Some of you are thinking, that ain't so good, right? We, we, we know Catherine's solid. But it's, Jesus identifies with you. You're starting to think his thoughts after him. and You're united to him. He's interested in you. And so Joseph cared for the king and head of the church. That's Jesus. That's one of the questions on your test, wasn't it? Who's the only king and head of the church? Joseph cared, cared for him. And officers of the church are to care for the church, which is the body of Christ, which is the bride of Christ. And you are to care for this bride in this dark world, this present evil age that we live in. And why, why are you doing this? Why are you about to come up here and take your vows? Why are you going to go to these meetings? Why are you going to visit people in the hospital and call on them when they're down and out and struggling? Why, why are you going to do all this? Well, it's because you've had an encounter with God. You have had a direct encounter. And you are a son of Abraham. You are the true Israel. Engrafted into God's people through Jesus Christ. You are God's family. Reality, if you're, well, if you're a Christian, reality has broken into your life and the, the Holy Spirit has shown you your need of Jesus Christ. That's why you're going to do this. And if you're a Christian, and I hope everybody in this room is a Christian, reality has broken into your life in a very, very powerful way. God has spoken to you through his messenger. I don't know who that is. You can tell me sometime over coffee. When did, when did you understand the gospel? Was it because, was it your mom? Was it your dad? Was it a cousin? Was it a good friend? And you know, I, I reconnected recently with uh, a man that lives in Atlanta, my best man in our wedding, who really helped me understand the gospel. He was God's messenger uh, to me to cl- clarify, clarify who Jesus is. I've had that. Reality break into my life, and so have you. God has spoken to you. And so, if you are an officer in this church, it's because reality has broken into your life. You are a Christian. But reality has broken in your life in yet another way. This happens all the time. But this is something that it is, it is a special thing. I'm not putting you guys on a pedestal and making you any different than the rest of the people in here. In fact, if you're going to be a good elder or deacon, you need to get low. You need to die for the people in this church. That's, that's the call. But the truth is, if you are going to be up here in just a few moments, it's because reality is broken into your life in yet another way. You have had an internal call from God to this office. I can't explain how that works. But I do know it has been affirmed by the external call from the people of God. Because you've been voted and called to to this office. You've been confirmed by the people of God. Speaking God's clarifying, affirming word to you to be an elder or deacon through the people. 
And so here's your charge. You want to just sum it up very, very briefly. Joseph cared for the king and head of the church. What are you supposed to do? You are to care for this church. No pressure. No pressure. That's why I asked my brother earlier, are you ready for this? And as my brothers who have been elders longer than me will say, you're never ready for this. And it is going to be quite the adventure. So how do you get the power to care for the church? How do you do it? How do you do it? It's not easy. Well, by faith. By faith. By faith. You know, if you ask people in the world, and even in the church, what is faith? What is it? What is faith? Well, it's to believe something without reasons or evidence. That's the answer a lot of people give. But you know, God never asked anybody to trust him without first giving them reasons to believe. And we've seen that as Grant's preached through the book of Exodus. God gives you plenty, gave them plenty of reasons to trust him, did he not? And God gives us all plenty of reasons to trust him. We just look back on our lives and we see his faithfulness over and over and over again. The faith means to believe. That's, that's the word in the original. Repent and believe the gospel. That, that is how you lead the church of God. Uh, but you know, Presbyterians, and you know, Presbyterians, we're really good at knowing what you're supposed to believe. We want to get it down. We want to articulate this gospel. We want you to know about you need the righteousness of Christ and you need to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. You need to know what justification is and all those other things. We, we want you to know what it means to be right with God. Um, you know, just look at that test you guys had to take. Right? Y'all took the test. Remember that? It's pretty intense. Yeah, it's like, right. <laughs> your eyes cross. It was, um, you can thank, thank your pastor mostly for that. Now, I've, I've been involved with it twice, but man, he, get, he gets, makes you get after it, doesn't he? Which is a good thing. You need to know... What you believe. And you showed from that test. I've seen, seen your answers. You know a lot of stuff about the Bible. You do. Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust Jesus? You know, Joseph clearly trusted God's word. He embodied the word. He, he was transformed by God's word. You know, his life was transformed. He moves his family to Egypt of all places. And so how, how do you get the power to care for God's church? You believe the promises intellectually. You need to know what the Bible says. This is important. A lot of people think you just throw your intellect out as a Christian. That, 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 nothing could be further from the case. But most of all... You get the power to do this by trusting Jesus as a friend, as your God, as your elder brother. And as we wind this up, you know, and, and I just, I, I'm, I mean, I'm a pastor. I like to teach. But you know what I'm learning? I'm learning not just to encourage people to believe the facts about the gospel. I'm encouraging people and I'm encouraging you all today to trust Jesus 
with your life? Do you trust Him? About a month ago, I was preaching in a field under a big, big tree, and there's ducks walking around in Columbia out in the sticks. And I was preaching my, my mission sermon. You know, I'm going around to churches. Um, Catherine said, you, pre- you need to preach that one. And I'm preaching Psalm 23. And I'm getting to that point. The Lord is my shepherd. I trust him. I lack nothing. Remember that? And I had to stop. Surrounded by all these poor people. It's like one of my friends here has said, their lacking nothing is a whole lot different than my lacking nothing. And I had to stop and get my breath when I realized how much these people trusted Jesus Christ. And I know, I'm, I've been to seminary, I've been studying and reading for 20 years. Y'all put up with a lot of stuff that, you know, I've been teaching for 20 years. These people trust Jesus more than I do. They really do. I'm not saying that to beat you up or beat myself up. I'm saying I just need to trust Jesus more with my life. And so here's the question for all of us as we wind this up. Where today do you need to trust Jesus Christ? What is going on in your life right now that you need to trust Him with? What is it? What is it? You are just like me. You need to pray this prayer like that man in the New Testament. Lord, I do trust you. I do trust you. Help my lack of trust. Because that's where all of us are. Lord, give me a new encounter of your presence. Give me your son anew in my life today. Help me to trust him with all my heart. And my prayer for you, brothers, as you come to take your vows to serve this church, to care for this church, my prayer for you is that you would know the love of Christ and that you would trust him. I love you. I'm delighted that you're doing this. Praise the Lord. But trust Jesus. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to speak about your great gospel, that our sins are truly forgiven in your Son. But not only that, that you walk with us in every situation of our lives. And I pray that you bless these men. Care for them. Bless this church. Bless Grant as he's pastors. Give him wisdom. Protect this church. Protect the unity. And we will give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.